give him glory as always. We start in his praise. We start in the place where he wants us to abide, which is in his presence. He's the lover of our souls. He wants us to constantly be with him. He's not a God who wants us to worship him from afar, from some distant place. No, he wants us in his presence. He wants us near to him. The thing about being near to God is the same as being near to any human being. When you are near to someone, you can speak face to face. When you're near to someone, you can look them eye to eye. When you're near to someone, you can open up and be real because you're so close to that individual. Think about God. If you're near to God, you can share your deepest. He knows anyway, but he invites you to that conversation because it builds relationship. You cannot build relationship without communication. You cannot be close to someone you don't talk to. That, that's a natural understanding. So it is with the Spirit. If you don't talk to God, your Father, you will not get the benefit of His fatherhood. You'll not get the benefit of His advice. You'll not get the benefit of his instruction. You'll not get the benefit of his tutelage, of his teaching. You won't get the benefit of understanding how it all works and what your purpose and your plan is in his plan. You'll never see it. Christians are struggling where they don't have to struggle. They're struggling because they're away from the presence of God. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is revelation. The closer you get to him, the more you see, the more you understand, the more you comprehend what the purpose of life is. So you come out of darkness. People are using all kinds of methods. Going back to the Old Testament, trying to find out what God said back then. Going to the New Testament, trying to find out what did he mean all of this is being done without the key component and ingredient, which is the inward abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, I will give you another comforter, you cannot underestimate what that means. Without the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, we are like children trying to put together the most complex device without any instruction. Stumbling and bumbling and sticking pieces here and there and, and breaking things that shouldn't be broken and leaving. To, we we are, are all over ourselves trying to, to make Christianity work. Trying to figure out how does it work. And, and the Holy Spirit is standing there with his arms outstretched, yeah. saying, just come to me. Let me feel you. I will show you the kingdom. Mm. I will show you how it works. People trying to come up with schemes of prayer and, and, and schemes of doing, and I'm not attacking them. I'm saying these are the alternatives when you do not submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. You're left to your own devices. Just, to, just to doing this and doing that for busyness sake. Just being busy about being busy, but not being effective unless the Holy Spirit guides you. 
I can raise my hand 10,000 times at the things I have suffered because I have not understood. The Holy Spirit has to do it. The Holy Spirit has to show you. The Holy Spirit has to direct you. He must lead and guide you into all truth. This is what's what's called the, the preamble to the message. Because if you don't get this part, the rest of it won't matter. The rest of the message will not make any difference whatsoever unless you get this at the beginning. The Holy Spirit has to teach the word of God. The Holy Spirit has to illuminate God's word. The Bible says that he, the spirit of grace, the spirit of God, he would remind us of all the things that Jesus has said. That's not just the the physical words that Jesus spoke, but the meaning of the words that Jesus spoke. So what he has testified to, he himself will now show light to us in explaining it. The topic that he has taken, as you see displayed there, we continue from last week in one sense. In another sense, we're saying that we are constantly moving further. And if I could approach this way, this topic of scattered comes out of the, the groupings of teachings done around end time saints. These are specific messages that are directed at a church which is at a particular point in history, a particular point in time. We are the furtherance of the original scattering. Let that go through, please. We are the further extension of the original scattering that took place farther back in time than you probably imagined. That this scattering has been happening from God's creation. And that now on the further tip of this scattering, this this patterned understanding of why the scattering has taken place and the effect of it and the effectiveness of your life within it. It's nothing like being in something and not understanding why you're in it. What it's all about. It's a terrible feeling to be in a place and not know why you're there. Mm. And that's not what God wants for us. So let us invest ourselves in the Holy Spirit as we invest ourselves in his word and allow him to explain it to us. Our core verse, anchor verse, is Acts chapter 3 through 6. As we read it from your Bible or if you're looking at the the podcast, you can see the reference there. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. This opening arena, as we discussed last time we met, we saw that Paul was formerly in in this habit 
of arresting individuals and that he was in the habit of getting his his sanction from the church which was the religious body of the time from the traditional Jewish instruction of the Pharisees of which he was one and having this religious church around him not the church of Jesus Christ but he represents the religious church the religious church that is bent on the law. Being a Pharisee, he was one following the law of Moses and that the law should be exactly what everyone should be doing. We know that Saul was converted later and became Paul. His life changed completely and he went from someone persecuting the church to someone being persecuted because he was in the church. And his life represents what some of our lives represent. When you are in a certain state of mind, you will be in a certain state of activity. I don't fault anyone for doing what they believe. But I fault the fact that what they're believing is wrong. And the minute you understand that what you're believing is wrong, your actions should mirror. They should change. So, so Saul, before he was Paul, was busy about persecuting what he did not understand. Going and getting folks arrested for believing on Jesus. And that action is called persecution. And that persecution provides the, the foundation of what we're referring to as the scattering. The scattering pushes the church into position to preach the word in other places. The scattering, though we may say that's negative, though we may say that's oppressive, though we may say that is, it's painful to be forcibly scattered, to be removed from the comfort of where you are and, and, and pushed into another location, it is through that activity that God now plants the word in other places. We see it in nature. There's certain trees that will produce a, a, a bud that the wind can carry, the seed, and the seed will be blown in the air and it will land somewhere else and then that seed will begin, if it's not eaten, to germinate and up comes another tree there. We see it in a pollination process of bees going from one plant to another plant, carrying the pollen on its legs, and then it's, it's causing other plants to have life because of that movement. We see the, the scattering. We see animals of all sorts, seeds or eggs being hatched out and taken with the current. God is, God is busy in this area as we said, from the creation, we go to the garden and those who were, first of all, in the garden, something happens, something horrible happens and they are pushed out. And because of this pushing out, eventually men circumnavigate the world. They're spread everywhere. Humans go everywhere. This is scattering. The church was in one location Persecution came and they were pushed out. But when they were pushed out, they went out 
preaching the gospel. We talked about Philip. We talked about his assignment being one that Samaria was the place he was sent to. And his going there caused the Samaritans, the Samaritans for the first time, hear something they'd never heard before. They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they responded. Can you imagine if you had not been sent to the place where you are now? The persons that you are witnessing to would have been starving for the message of Christ. Unless God sends someone else to that location. There were three other areas we discussed of being motivated to carry the gospel, being motivated to, to be used by God, to understand the scattering process is to say, Lord, here am I, I am willing to go. Acts eleven nineteen speaks of this in this way. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, another saint who was martyred, traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, doing what? Preaching the word to none but the Jews only. So even in the scattering, the first inclination was to go to other Jews and to tell them about this Jesus. They were moved to locations for specific activity. If you have been scattered somewhere, there is predominantly a witness that you carry. To whom are you sent? Ask the question. Who, to whom has God sent me to in this place? Why am I here? I've been pushed from there to here. Why? Are you motivated to ask him now, Father God, to whom am I sent? Phoenix, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the gospel. We talked about the sense of feeling abandoned, but understanding you're not alone. Paul dealt with it in 2 Timothy 4, 9, it goes on the reference to verse 18. We'll just read verse 10 to pull it into the context. For Demas hath forsaken me, he wrote to Timothy. Demas, who was supposedly walking with Paul. This, again, this is after the conversion from Saul to Paul. Walking with him in ministry forsook him, having loved this world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Crescens is gone to Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. He goes on further in that reference to say that in his first trial, no man stood with him. He was completely by himself, but God was with him. So there are episodes in the scattering where you may feel like here I am scattered, but I'm by myself. You are never alone. God is with you at all times. It's not a, it, God's presence with you is not a feeling. It's not a warmth on your arm or a chill. God's presence is within you. He's with you because he said, I am with you. Lo, I am with you to the end of the ages, to the end of the world. And because his word says he's with you, you have to know God is with me as I am with him. Not based on a feeling, not based on someone being with you. So when Demas leaves Paul, if his focus had not been on God, he said, well, that's it then. Guess I'll just give up because they're leaving me. Those who were with, supposedly with me, I've, I've been arrested now and everyone has taken off. They, they've gone away. So what do you what do? You, do? you understand that the God who called you 
is with you. The God who saved you is with you. The God who loves you is with you. And he alone is enough to sustain you in that place. You may feel abandoned, but you're not alone. Listen carefully. Every person must choose to follow Jesus. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus invites us to pick up the torture stake, which is what the cross is referred to, to pick up your cross and follow him. Walk with him. You may feel abandoned, but you're not alone. Being scattered has that component. Are you motivated to walk through those supposed lonely places, trusting only in God? Understanding that when you are scattered, you may be sent into a rebellious people to give them a message that they are in no way interested in hearing. Some of those who were scattered went in front of audiences who were anti-God, anti-message. They were not pro-God, pro-message. They didn't want to hear anything about this change, transformation that was being talked about. John 15, 22 through 24 tells us, if I had not come, this is Jesus speaking, and spoken unto them, they had, they had not had sin. Think about that. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had had not they had not had sin. But now they now have they both all these halves are turning me around. They had had they had not had sin, but now have they been seen and hated both me and my father. He's telling us, as he's saying there, if I hadn't come to them, there would be no way God could judge them accordingly. So the other piece of being scattered is to say, I need a witness in every place, to every person, so that the judgment of God is just and fair. They can't say, I didn't know, when I have sent witnesses to them so that they might know. Jesus said, if I hadn't spoken to them, if I hadn't come to them, then they wouldn't have had sin to their charge. Why? Because they were not warned. They were not told. So part of the necessity of the scattering is that we are sent into diverse places so that men will be without a covering and excuse for sin. He's not looking to punish people in ignorance. God is not looking to, to punish people who have no knowledge of what he wants. He's not looking to bring judgment on individuals who have no clue as to what's going on. No, he is sending his witnesses around the world into every world within the world. That's every system of commerce, government, legislature, 
policing wherever the systems of government of humanity are. He's sending witnesses there. Campuses, he's sending them everywhere. Why? So that no person can stand before him and say, I didn't know, I wasn't told, no, I'm sending you witnesses so that you will not be able to say, I did not know, nor will you say, God is unjust, he is unfair, look at him bringing judgment on my life, and he hasn't even warned me. No. There are two other references. One is Samuel 15 and 23, and the other is John 3.20, First Samuel 15.23 and John 3.20. Those are the places we've already covered. If you go back to the first uh, installment series, you'll hear the context there. We look at the relocation now in terms of the scattering. We look at who went where and why. We only pulled out Four examples, two Old Testament, two New Testament, to show the diversity and the, and the length of time involved in the scattering. As we say, it's been going on from the beginning. God has been using this tool, this mechanism, to put key individuals into key places for key reasons. And until you see the scattering, you may not recognize why it is so crucial to accept that role as a believer, as a Christian. Jesus himself, first off the line, gives us the example of scattering that places individuals in key places. Luke 2, 4, verses 4 and 5. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Why? To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, this first example of scattering is so subtle, it may escape you. When the decree went out that taxation would happen all over the government, the, the edict was that you had to go to the place where you were born, to your home city. So Joseph is now traveling back to Bethlehem. Mary, his espoused wife, is pregnant by the agency of the Holy Spirit with Jesus. So Jesus is in the womb, right? By them traveling back to Bethlehem, they fall directly in line with the prophetic scripture concerning Jesus being born in the city of David. Had this action been misaligned one way or the other, the scripture, the prophecy would be broken. God's word can never be broken. So that circumstances beyond your sight can all be aligned suddenly to put you directly in the line with God's prophetic word. And nothing can break that and nothing can change that. We could say some other things right now, but we won't because the distraction will be so great in, in terms of the moment we're living in and what the prophetic words have said around this moment. But the key here is to understand that Jesus being in the womb of Mary is being moved, relocated 
being scattered, being aligned with the place that because he was in Bethlehem, God was able to move him from Bethlehem to Egypt to escape the persecution of the sword that Herod was sending to kill all the boy babies, two years old and younger. If you read the story, you know the history. So his alignment, his moving, put him in a place where he could then be spared from Bethlehem to Egypt. These are the unknowns about the scattering. You don't know the divine purposes that are at work with you being moved here to there, from there to there. There's, it's more than just your physical human comfort at work here. His relocating him got him exactly in the place to be born in the city to align him with the word of God past and to align him with the word of God future. Jesus, Joseph, and Mary were scattered for this alignment. Mm -hmm. There's no other record of Joseph being a person who was given to dreams, given to visitations before he was involved with this miraculous birth of Jesus. We read that the angels visited him on at least two occasions, gave him divine dreams, gave him divine instruction, told him to take the child and the mother and go to Egypt. So your life goes from a, a, a dormant or a neutral state to supernatural things begin to happen when you are aligned, moved from your place and aligned with the purposes of God. This is the phenomena of being scattered by God, not by Satan, but by God for divine purpose. Divine things begin to happen. The next example, first one from the Old Testament is Abram. Before he was called Abraham, his name was Abram. Just like we had Saul uh, before he was Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. We have Abram here. Genesis 12, 1 reads this way. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 12 and you read the whole context, you will see that he was moving him from around all of his relatives, all of his persons. Why? Because he was going to take him and make him the father of many nations. Yes. And what he had planned for him was, was, I can't say it was too big, but it did not fit into the place where he was. I've got to move you out of there, take you somewhere else to give you something bigger and greater. We see this happening even when he was with Lot, that they had to separate their companies because what he wanted to do with him was specific. He wouldn't do it while Lot was with him. He separates persons. We think this is cruel. Why is God doing this? He's taking me from my home. He's taking me from my country. He's taking me from my kinfolk. I'm trying to get you somewhere to do something greater in you. The scattering has moved you. For his purpose. Abraham could have said, well, no, Lord, I'm not going. I like the vegetables here. I like the water here. Uncle Larry's just over the hill. No, you, you've got to give up yourself Amen. for him to do what he wants. The, so the scattering is beyond my name. It's beyond my desire. It's, it's, it, it's not me moving myself. It's God 
relocating me for his agenda and even what the enemy intends for evil such as where our first reference the scattering was persecution came and the scattering happened thereafter but God took that and put his glory preach the gospel here Samaria you go over here and declare the glory of God on that location so Abraham went with God he was moved and the will of God followed the second Old Testament Third reference, second Old Testament character, Ruth. One, we know the story of Ruth and Naomi. Most individuals who have studied the scriptures know this relationship. Ruth 1, 22. So Naomi returned with Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to, here it is again, Bethlehem. In the beginning of the barley harvest. If you read the context of the story, you will see that it was because of this move that Ruth was able to meet Boaz. And that the genealogy of Jesus comes from this line. So had she not gone with Naomi, her mother-in-law, she would have never been positioned to meet Boaz. Never been in position to fulfill the destiny of God through that lineage, through that line. It is unfortunate and terrible that her husband died. And because her husband died, she determined to stay with Naomi. Her husband was the son of Naomi. And when he dies, she now says, I'm going with you. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'm, I'm giving all of that up in Moab to follow you. <laughs> My God, what a decision. And so she took that decision and it put her directly in the line for fulfillment of prophecy that would bring forth the Christ child from the lineage of the house of David. Just because she was scattered, removed. Sometimes the, the decisions we make can be so full of fear. We don't know to go left or to go right. You have to trust in God. You have to say, Daddy, God, you lead me. I don't know which path to take right now. Direct my feet because you know what's at the end of each path. What is down the road? Listen well, challenge and adversity does not mean that's the way God wants you to go or not go. Do you understand? Because you, you went in the way of God and you ran to a problem, you can't say, whoa, yeah, there's a problem. This must not be the will of God. No. If you are driving through a mountainous country and you only want to stay on flat land, you may have a problem. It's a mountainous country. At some point, you will have to go up. But there is no mountain that just goes up. All mountains plateau. And then you descend. If you get to a mountain that only goes up, please let me know where that is. Because it's leading to heaven, obviously. But every mountain, every encounter, you will hit an issue that will challenge your direction. If it is the plan of God, the direction of God, stay on the plan. Stay on the direction until he says, go otherwise. Let's go the other way. 
because it is easy. The road is straight and smooth and there's no issues. That does not mean that that is the plan of God or not the plan of God. Again, we have the same situation. The conditions of the, of the journey don't determine whether it's God or not. The instruction from God determines if it's God or not. Him telling you to do something easy or something difficult is irrelevant. Oh, God, I've got all these people helping me. This must be the plan of God. Oh, God, there's nobody with me. It must not be the plan of God. That's juvenile. Grow up beyond that level of thinking. God's will is God's will regardless. Whether they come with you or they stand against you. Whether people in your office or your school or your church or whatever, whether they lift up your name and celebrate you with a banner, or whether they curse you every time you walk through the door and spit at your feet, it makes no difference. If it's the plan of God, stay on it. If you're scattered a mile away, 20 miles away, 200 miles away, it doesn't matter. Is that what God wants for you? Stay there. Go there. Follow his spirit. Not the spirits of men. Follow his spirit. That's the third case. The fourth case is Philip, which we have already touched upon him in our opening text here. And Philip 26, 826, Acts 826. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down unto Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. If you read the context, we will find that after he finished this great revival in Samaria, that he goes out and the Holy Spirit literally directs him in a way that he will meet a chariot. And on that chariot is a eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, traveling, going back from his pilgrimage. And he enjoins him on this chariot and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Because he ran alongside the chariot. And the man said, how can I understand unless someone showed me? So he, he invited Philip to come up into the chariot. He began to show him, preach Jesus to him. And the man saw a body of water. He was so convinced that Jesus was the Christ, was the Lord. He said, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? They got down out of the chariot. The gentleman from Ethiopia was baptized when they came out of the water, the Holy Spirit caught Philip and disappeared him in front of this man. Now, what's the testimony? See, I got baptized. The guy who baptized me disappeared. I know that's God. So he got to go back to Ethiopia being an on-fire witness of the glory of God and of the salvation of Jesus Christ. That was only because Philip listened to the Holy Spirit, allowed himself to be scattered, to be moved. He could say, wait a minute, Lord, I'm in Samaria. The, the revival is going great. People are getting saved. People, the healings are taking place over here. Why are you taking me out of this, this work of, quote, work of God? Because there's always works of God. There is more. You've got to be willing to move. If you want to scatter me, move me, do whatever it takes to make sure your glory and your name is lifted up, Jesus. So that's four examples. I could go to the whole Bible backwards and forwards and show you character after character who was moved from where they were to some other place only for something else to happen that had they not gone, it would have never, never worked. So this relocation is a huge piece. I'm being scattered. I'm not being punished. 
Say it again for those in the balcony. I'm being scattered. I'm not being punished. He took, he took me from where I was and put me here. Well, look, look, all here over here is, is crickets and, and I see some tumbleweed going by. No, I put you in a divine place for a divine moment because you cannot see what I see. God says, I see eternity. And you see 20 years. You see 15 years. You see a few days and you think, well, what? God alone orchestrates this process from the beginning, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. This happens again and again and again. And it's only when we don't walk in it do we not understand the process that's going on all around us. Some people are like slippery soap. They slide from one side to the other side in the bathtub, slide, sliding like slip, slippery soap, just moving all, not realizing what is my purpose in this? What is my purpose in this? Let the Holy Spirit do the work of God in the church. He's trying to position us. You see, after the relocating, there is a positioning. We saw it with Philip. We saw it with Ruth. We saw it again with Jesus. We, we see this, this process that I'm not just moving you for the sake of moving. Some people go from this church to that church, from here to there, hop around a little bit. None of those locations have produced much. Some people go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship. None of those relationships have produced much. They, they hop from one, and this movement is, is misconstrued with advancing sometimes. From one company, I left there, I'm going to go work on this company. I'm, I'm my building my career. Actually, what you're doing is hopping around. It's only when the Holy Spirit directs your path. Which goes back to the first thing we were saying. We must be in relationship with the Holy Spirit so that when we take a step, it is assured this is the way God wants you to go. If I get out of sensitivity with the Spirit of, of God, I am beyond lost. I'm worse than lost. I, I cannot describe to you how, how desperate you would be to not know what God wants at any given time. Especially now, in these days. You have to know. You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can do that, only I can do that, only any of us can do that, is to constantly go back to the Father, constantly be in prayer, constantly be, even Jesus himself, the Bible says he was up before dawn, checking in with God. Before the day started, he was up. He wasn't sleeping until 10 o'clock, 11 in the afternoon, saying, oh, Lord, what do you want me to do today? He, today? Half the day is gone already. You get up at noon time of God, what do you want me to do today? Get up, man. Get up. So he got up early before, quote, the day started, before the sun came up. And got with God to find out, what are we doing today, Father God? Peter was praying in the New Testament. He was praying, went into a, what's called a trance. And God showed him men from Joppa coming and knocking and saying, come over to Joppa and help us. And when he woke up from the vision, the men were at the gate. The same men he saw in the vision, in the dream, were at the gate. Why? When you spend time with God, he will show you in advance. 
This is about to happen. Get ready. Prepare yourself. And then the thing comes. This is the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit here. So he moves us and positions us to fulfill his destiny. 2 Timothy 2.9. Again, the letter from Paul to his spiritual son gives us insight. He says, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Timothy, do you understand? He's trying to make us understand as he's trying to make Timothy understand. I'm being treated as if I've done wrong. I'm being treated as if I were an evildoer. I've been arrested like I was some criminal. But my, my being arrested has nothing to do with my calling. It does not diminish God's hand on my life. The word of God can never be bound. The calling of God can never be bound. The purposes of God can never be restricted by your physical incarceration. So if they knock down the door and drag you to prison and you're screaming, Jesus is Lord, and they bundle you in the back and take you, that does not, the neighbors all looking, oh, wow, they arrested that person. He must have done something really, really horrible. He was declaring the name of Jesus. They were declaring the name of Jesus. They were rejecting wickedness and they arrested them. And Paul is trying to get his spiritual son to understand because this has happened to me. Don't run away from the call. Don't run away from the call of God. It cannot be bound. Second Timothy four eighteen, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. So when we put these two references together, what we see is that though my physical body be incarcerated, they cannot stop the calling on my life and the purpose for which I have been positioned here. Well, yeah, yeah, you came here and got arrested. Yes, that was supposed to happen so that the gospel could be preached here. My, my being preserved is not my physical body being unscathed. They, they beat Paul. They stoned Paul. They he thought he was dead at one point. God raised him up. He was under tremendous physical. He was knocked into the ocean, almost drowned in the sea. A serpent bit him on his arm one time when he was taking firewood. They thought he was going to swell up and die. So, so the absence of physical persecution is not a testimony that God is with you. If anything, the opposite is true. It is you thriving in spite of the persecution. It's you thriving in spite of the opposition. It's you continuing to preach the gospel of Christ in the face of persecution. That is the testimony that God is with you. He will preserve me means he will keep me until my mission is accomplished. And then I will go to glory. That's exactly what he is saying. So being positioned is not putting you in a place where there's no difficulty. It is putting you in a place where God is. God is where his will is for you. And when you are there, it doesn't matter. Again, it, it, regardless, regardless of what is going on around you, 
Oh, Lord, they beat me. Does that mean you're out of the will of God? No. I'm taking these stripes in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, they, they put hot oil on me. Yeah, burned my leg, and it hurt. And God knows that it hurt. But the mission of God continues. The witness continues. Lord, they're talking about me. They're casting words upon me. Well, as I said, they casted physical stones at Paul. It doesn't stop the gospel. It doesn't stop the mission. Doesn't, this must be the wrong place, Lord. They're, they're throwing rocks at me. Let me run. No, you are where you're supposed to be as long as God says that's the place. The persecution cannot stop it. Luke 2, 25, 29. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This is a beautiful, beautiful example. A gentle and beautiful example. Named Simeon. Or somebody say Simon. Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. Look at his lifestyle. Just and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Oh, this Lord helped me say this correctly. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Thank you. Not within, because Jesus hadn't been to the cross yet. So the Holy Spirit would only come on individuals in the Old Testament. And this is still a part of the Old Testament life for service, for duty. So the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents of Jesus brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, which was to give a certain sacrifice for newborn babies. They were supposed to give, I think it was two doves or so. You can go into Leviticus and see what the exact sacrifice they were supposed to make for the new birth of the new child. Verse 28, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace According to thy word. Oh, that is so beautiful. This man was told by the Holy Spirit, you won't even die until you see the Lord's Christ. You won't even die until you see the baby Jesus. And when he saw him, the Holy Spirit confirmed that's the child. That's what I'm talking about. Walking with the sensitivity of God. And this man only had the Holy Spirit upon him. He wasn't even filled with the Holy Ghost. Yet he was sensitive enough to God to know, I'm not supposed to leave here until I see his Christ. And when he saw him, he blessed him. Now you would say, why? You, it's it's a, one of the greatest mysteries in the Bible that Selim talked about. What was so great about this man's life? Simeon, what was he doing? That God says, I am not going to allow you to leave this earth. Until you see Jesus. I have to ask God that in heaven, I guess. Because there's nothing in the scripture that tells us what, what, what was up with this guy. That that honor would be given to him to take the baby Jesus into his arms. Can you imagine him looking down into his little face? Fingers in his mouth. And you're like, this is the Savior of the world. I'm, I'm holding the Savior of the entire world right now in the palm of my hands. Oh, I just, I just, my mind just, just goes, bow. And then when that happened, he knew I can depart now. 
I can leave this world. It is in peace. This is one of the greatest mysteries. Only God can explain to us why he did that with this person and then had it written in scripture forever for us to read over and over and over again, to dig into that place. But that shows you the, the, the detail of God. That, that shows you how time, his timing is. That sh- shows you how integral he can tie one life to another life. So tightly that this one can't go till that one comes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can't go anywhere until you see him. Till you speak these words. And the parents would have been standing there watching the earthly father. And the earthly mother. Not the physical blood father. You understand the scripture. But as Joseph was standing there, as, as the person representing the, the parent taking care of the baby, the human baby Jesus, they both would have seen this miraculous thing. And, and could you imagine the conversation thereafter? It's not written here in scripture. But them asking him, you know, why, what, what's going on? Why, why are you saying this about this baby? What, what have you seen that we haven't seen? What do you know that we don't know? What have you heard that we haven't heard? Folks, it goes on and on and on. But you see the beauty of God. And that's being positioned, being in the place where God wants you. In the last place we'll visit for today, we'll look at the net effect. So we were relocated. We were then positioned to be in the divine point at the divine moment, scattered for purpose. Look at the net effect of the scattering. Just if I use the term, the, the panoramic view, the, the wide angle view of the scattering process over time. Look at the net effect here. By scattering the church, God increases its net effect over a greater area. If you understood, and I believe that you do because you have the Holy Spirit, the inner workings of placing individuals, <clears throat> excuse me, in key component places, you will see what happens when they are put there. John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine. Jesus speaking. I am the vine. Not a vine. I am the vine. Singular. I am the vine. Ye, you, are the branches. Plural. I am the vine. You are the branches. Get that in. Let it sink down. He that believeth in me, singular, and I in, excuse me, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, if we just pause there and, and look at the scripture again, Look at what Jesus is saying. I am the only source to which you can be connected and bring forth fruit. There is nothing else you can connect yourself to that will cause you to produce increase. Nothing. It's not the secret. It's not some mysterious teaching of the universe. It's not some hidden principles 
Now, if you only get these hidden principles in some occult fashion, then you'll be successful. It's a lie, lie, lie. Jesus says, I am the vine. You who are born again are all branches. You are shoots that connect to me. Look at your vine. We use the, the, the grapevine, for example. Look at the main vine is the thick bit in the middle. Then all of the branches running out from the main vine bear fruit. Clumps of grapes are produced. Every grape is drawing its nutrients through the branch. And the branch is drawing its nutrients from the vine. Whatever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whatever is in the vine should be in the branch. I'm, I'm touched because I'm thinking, how could something not of God come from anybody who's connected to God? How could anybody who claims to be a Christian be producing anything other than what Jesus produces? How can anything come out of you that's not of him? How can a contaminant come from a branch that's supposedly connected to a vine that cannot be corrupted? What is going on with these people who say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian? And they're watching porn and they're, and they're having sex all over the place and they're, and they're stealing people's money. And it, how can you say you're connected to the branch? The branch is holy. The branch is pure. The branch is undefiled. The branch is Jesus. If you are really connected to him. You cannot be abusing little boys and abusing little girls. You cannot be doing this and saying you are a part. That you are a part of the vine. You cannot, and let me tell you to your face, you are not. You are not. I don't know what kind of psychological rubbish you have believed. And someone told you because you prayed a prayer in some church but had no heart conversion, you are not born again. But today you can be. If you really want to be a part of the vine that Jesus is, if you really want to be a branch connected to him, repent of your sins now. Give up your all of it. Not some of it, all of it. Give up your life for the life of God. Give whatever you are connected to Separate yourself from it and be connected to the vine. And then you will produce the fruit of God. And what comes out of you will be sweet and abundant and lovely. And anyone who takes a piece of that fruit, they will taste the life of Jesus. They won't taste rot. They won't taste spoilage. They won't taste hate. They won't taste anger. There will be the fruit of God. So anyone who encounters us who are branches, it will be the same as encountering Jesus, the vine, his love, his wisdom, his understanding, his patience, 
His prosperity. Not this rubbish, give me five dollars, God will give you five hundred. Not this rubbish. That will know him. He's saying, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide. He that abideth means that there is a choice there. If you abide, that abide means stay. If you stay connected to me, I have already committed myself to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Jesus' commitment is clear. He's already made it. He's already, he settled it before he went to the cross. He settled it in the garden. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He settled it when he came to earth. It was already settled in heaven. The Bible says before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. It was settled. His commitment to us was settled. It's our commitment to him that's lacking. Lord, I don't see the fullness. I don't see the fullness in my life because you have not fully committed to the vine. It's only when you fully commit to the vine do you get the fullness of the flow into that branch. And the fullness of that flow of God's blood, God's life flowing into you produces fruit. Fruit of heaven, ladies and gentlemen, fruit of God. Hallelujah. This is the net effect of being connected. Secondly, our headquarters are in heaven, not on earth. It's a common understanding that every believer who has been planted, scattered, and placed understands our headquarters are in heaven, not on earth. We're not pointing to Mecca. We're not, we're not pointing north. We're not pointing to some, some coliseum. We're not pointing to the, to the mosque, the dome of the rock. No, no. Our headquarters are in heaven. It cannot be destroyed or attacked by any single member. No one can tear it down. Matthew 6.10 reads, The kingdom, thy kingdom come. This is the Lord's praying. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. The, the judicial process of heaven, the jurisdiction of heaven, the license of heaven, the government of heaven, the mindset of heaven, your will be done here in this space where I'm standing. The net effect is creating nodes, it's, it's creating hubs, it's creating places where the rule of heaven is on the earth in that place where you've been scattered to. So that when you go into your office, you declare the kingdom of heaven is coming to this place. How do you know that? Because you're there. Your presence there. As you look over your shoulder, you see you as a branch stretching all the way back to the vine. When you go to university, you are not there as a, a single unit. You are there officially as a representative of heaven. Glory to God. If you look behind you, you'll see the long trail attaching, not detaching, attaching you to the vine. Doesn't matter how far the branch stretches. It goes back to the vine. So we say our headquarters are in heaven. Thy will be done on earth where? Wherever you are on earth. I'm going to Alaska. Well, 
<laughs> the branch will stretch from heaven to Alaska. Or I'm going to Nairobi. Well, the branch will stretch around to Nairobi. Wherever you are never disconnected when you are scattered. You go and when you go, you bear fruit in that place. Fruit of God. Fruit of heaven. Hear me, church. Every person is connected to the vine. Is producing the fruit. The power of God is evident in each so-called separated component. Doesn't matter how far it reaches. We understand with electricity that the longer your cable, there's a bit of dissipation over the length. <laughs> so if you try to give your neighbors electricity from your house and run a cable across the road and over to their house over there and the cars are running over it, you may not get the connection that you're looking for. But this connection, it doesn't dissipate over distance. Wherever you've been placed, it's the same, the exact same power of God is resident there, manifesting when you get there to that place he's assigned you to. You should see the same manifestation. This is also in terms of time. It doesn't matter 400 years ago, 200 years ago, when Jesus walked here, it's the same the same concentrated power outputting now from the kingdom of God, from the vine to the branch today as it was then. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Wherever the branch is stretched to, wherever they go to, these signs will be there when they get there. What are the signs? In my name shall they cast out devils. You see what Philip was doing when he went to Samaria. One of the first signs they said is that devils were being cast out. Same signs. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. That's the persecution coming after them. They will survive it. They will outlive it. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. It doesn't matter where they're stretched to, where they're moved to. God is saying when you are there, positioned there, assigned there, the power from heaven will be manifested the power of the vine will be manifested where you are. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we accept what God has presented in his word today. We are separated, scattered for his purpose, yet not disconnected from the vine. In Jesus' name, as we stand together and receive the word, Father, Father, your great word has shown light on us. Daddy, your great word has opened our understanding. You have, have illuminated us and shown us how we are connected to you forever. That your spirit is in us forever. That your love is on us forever. We accept the assignment. We accept the scattering. And if you should move us today to another place, we accept that as well. As long as you guide us. As long as you are with us, wherever you will send us, we will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature. And we pray for every heart listening, for every believer who is listening, that they will accept your scattering as well. 
that they would not seek to be comfortable on their own. But whatever comes with that scattering, they receive it from you because you are with them. And as long as they abide in you, connected to the vine, they will bring forth fruit wherever they are. Father, we pray for the unbelievers who will hear this message and know that God has called them today unto himself. Every, every unbeliever who is a part of the remnant of God would hear this word, Daddy God, and respond to your love, Holy Spirit, that they come now, come now into their place in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we believe. Find your neighbor, your friend, put your loving blessing upon them. And tell them you are scattered for God. Amen.